Due to technical difficulties this past Sunday, part of the sermon had to be cut. We do apologize for the inconvenience, but we also pray and hope that you are blessed by this sermon. I mean, I mean, really wrap your mind around that for a second. Before I was formed, every single one of my days were written by God in his book. As he knit me together. When we're at home in the living room and we're watching Violet play and do something adorable, there are times where we've turned and we've been like, can you believe we made that? You know what I mean? Like, can you believe we made that child? And we didn't. We, we didn't. I, did, I, I didn't do anything of my own power or volition. I didn't form her lungs. I didn't cause her heart to beat. I didn't give her breath. I didn't give her eyes. God knit us together. The power of just that is mind-blowing. But that's not all we see about God's power in the Psalms. Psalm 9, verse 7, But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established His throne for justice, and He judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. God alone has power to judge the earth because He made it, because it's His Psalm 18, starting in verse 7. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because God was angry. Smoke went up from His nostrils and devouring fire from His mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from Him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under His feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They were too mighty for me, not for the Lord. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because He delighted in me. Psalm 24, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it among the rivers. Psalm 86, there is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O God, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. 
You alone are God. You, Lord, do great and wondrous things. Be honest. Have you done anything that could be described as great and wondrous, enduring through all generations? I can't. I, I can't. We can't. That's just not who we are. It's just not who anyone other than God is. Psalm 93, mightier than the thunder of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Humans are arrogant. We just are. Not unsaved people. Like, it's not like Christians are perfectly humble. We should be pursuing it, but humans are arrogant. We build these cities that are great monuments to our accomplishments. How many cities have been destroyed by natural disasters? For all the effort and all the money and all the time that we pour in, they get wiped out by the earth, by water, by dirt. God is mightier than, than the water. The things that demolish the work of our hands, the stuff that we put so much of ourselves into building, they get wiped out. And the stuff that wipes them out, God is mightier than that. This is who the Lord is. He's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Power is His and His alone. Psalm 100, For the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. See, we frequently, like I just described, Stop omnipotence at physical displays of power, right? We frequently stop there. God's powerful. He's mighty. He parted the Red Sea. He paused time. He did this. He turned loaves into, you know, he multiplied loaves and fishes. Like, God is physically powerful. And we stop there with his omnipotence. But no, God's love is all-powerful. God's mercy is all-powerful. It says His love, His faithfulness endures through all generations. Forget the works of our hands. How many of us can say that we have love so perfectly pure it endures to all generations? I mean, I can think of people who I struggle to love. I can think of times when I've withheld forgiveness. I can think of people I don't love perfectly. God loves perfectly all throughout all generations. His faithfulness, His mercy, His goodness endures throughout all generations. My patience, if you hit me once deliberately, okay, I think I could control myself. You hit me a second time, okay, now I should probably start walking away. You follow after me and keep hitting me in the back of the head, my patience is going to run out very quickly. Hopefully not, but I'm being realistic. God's patience, God's goodness, God's faithfulness is all powerful. It's not just His works of might. Psalm 113, starting in verse 4, The Lord is high above all nations, and His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? 
God is all-powerful. It's who He is. So consider these three things together. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is omnipotent. He sees and He knows our afflictions. He knows our pain. He knows our trial. He knows our suffering. And He's near in them. He's near when we call to Him. He's near when we need Him. And He's powerful to do something. And it might not be to remove the problem. See, frequently they think God's solution has to be to remove the problem. It might be His power is going to just carry us through the problem and teach us in the problem, sanctify us in the problem. But it's not that He's absent. It's not that He's unaware. Because He's omniscient, He's omnipresent, and He's omnipotent. It's easy for us to admit these things about God. It's tempting for us to try and be these things ourselves, And that's where the issues arise. That's why we're looking at Psalm 139. Because Psalm 139 needs to remind us of two things, that God is God and that I am not. That I am not omniscient. That I am not omnipresent. That I am not omnipotent. Wow, that's easy to admit. Really? Is it? You've never struggled to admit you don't know something? Are we ever tempted to admit or tempted to resist asking for advice? I don't know how to do something, so rather than ask, I mean, like, goodness, this is a cliche joke in pop culture, right? The guy who refuses to pull over and ask for directions, and he's just lost forever. I mean, we've made a joke about it that we don't like to admit we don't know things, that we don't like to admit, hey, I need to ask your advice in this situation. Can we admit we were wrong? Can we admit we didn't know better? We didn't know rightly? Do we struggle to admit, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing, and I blew it up, and I'm sorry? I mean, do we really find it easy to admit that we're not omniscient? Or maybe have we just hidden it to pretend like we are? I'll just, I'll just fake it till I make it, right? Just fake it till you make it. Hopefully it works out along the way. You figure out the problem along the way. Rather than just pausing and saying, hey, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do in this situation. I can admit I don't know everything. Or do we struggle with that? How about omnipresent? Act like I can be everywhere. Act like I can be everything for all people. You need help over there? I'm there. Oh, you need help too? Yep, I can make it work. And you got, yep, I'll be there. I promise. Oh, you need help? Yep, I'll figure it out. I'll, okay, I'll take on this one more thing. I'll add one more thing to my schedule. It'll be okay. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Anybody ever heard somebody say that before? I can't stand our culture, man. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah, that's a normal, healthy outlook to have. Good for him. He's going after it. He's getting it. And so we just run around pretending like we can be omnipresent. Like we can coach this sports team and volunteer at this organization and be on this board and serve on the PTA and help with this and be there and do that. And I can be everywhere and I can be all help to all people. That's who I am. I'm a helper. They need help, I'm there. They need help, I'm there. You can't, you can't be two places at one time. 
You can't be that help for everyone. You can't be that source of help and solution for everyone in your life. You just can't be. I can't be as your pastor. If this church is looking to me to be the ultimate source of help and availability for everyone else, guess what? I only have one phone. I can only be on one phone conversation at a time. I can only be in one living room at a time. I can only get coffee with one of you at a time. Okay, we'll bring the elders into it. Cool, great. Now we've got six people. That's still just six conversations, six locations. There's more than six of you gathered here. People were never meant to be omnipresent. But our ego, our arrogance, tells us that we can be. And so we try to assume this attribute of God to great disaster. How about omnipotent? I don't need help. White knuckle it. Grit your teeth. Right? You can get through it. You're self-sufficient. You're enough on your own. You don't need help. That's weak. Don't ask for help. Knuckle up. Strengthen up. Toughen up. Just do it by yourself. Right? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. My goodness. Stop being lazy and incompetent. Just do it on your own. You can do it. That's who you are. No, we are designed to need help. We are designed to need one another. Galatians 6 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of love. The Bible time and time again talks us about us as a body, a body in need of one another. A body designed for one another. A body designed to come alongside one another and help one another. Why? Because none of us are omnipotent. None of us are self-sufficient. None of us are designed to be all-powerful and to do these things for ourselves. But in our arrogance, and our stubbornness, we try to assume this attribute of God. And we try to assume omnipotence. I can be everywhere for everyone because I can bear the weight of it. I can take one more burden on my back. I can pick up one more load. And it crushes us. And if we could just admit we're not omniscient, we're not omnipresent, and we're not omnipotent, we could make great strides to being a much healthier, co-dependent body that functions as we're designed to. What is God's literal first statement about Adam? It is not good for him to be alone. And so he made him a helper. If we were meant to exist on ourselves, to provide all of these things on our own, why didn't God stop with Adam? One person, good, done. Why does God spend so much of the New Testament talking about the importance of the church, the importance of the body? When Moses is leading the people in Genesis 18, where's the youth people? You guys just did Genesis. Genesis 18, where Moses' father-in-law says, no, not 18. Exodus 18. Exodus 18, there we go. I at least had the chapter right. Give me partial credit, teachers. Exodus 18, 
Moses' father-in-law comes to him and he says, hey, you trying to take this leadership position by yourself, it's not healthy for you or the people. You need help. You're designed to do this with multiple people. Guys, we're not omniscient, we're not omnipresent, and we're not omnipotent. God and God alone is. So we need to recognize these in how we approach Him. But then we also need to approach Him because He's present and He knows and He's powerful enough to do something. So this week, as we consider these things, let's read Psalm 29 and 46. If you were here last week, if you heard last week, you joined us online, I mentioned we're going to shorten up the readings a little bit instead of doing four chapters or five chapters. We're going to go down and we're just going to do one or two chapters. But that's because we're adding in a remembrance part. We're adding in a memorization part. Why is it the same as it was last week? Last week it was Acts 1.8. Why is it the same thing? Because don't worry. For anybody who was freaking out and they were like, wait, is he going to be giving us a verse every single week of the year? No. Because this isn't about memorizing for the sake of memorizing. This isn't about getting to the end of the year and saying, I'm a better Christian because I know 10 more verses than that person does. It's about internalizing. It's about taking God's word and hiding it in our heart, treasuring it up in our life, building lives where his scripture is interwoven in our DNA. And it defines our approach to life. It defines our approach to our conversations. So I didn't pick Acts 1.8 last week so that we could pick a new arbitrary verse this week. No, the idea is we need to know Acts 1.8. We need to personally take ownership of Acts 1.8. I won't ask anybody to recite it. Let's see how well I did. You will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We have to know this. I need to know this. I need to know Acts 1-8 every day of my life and take ownership for it. How does it have anything to do with what we talked about this morning? Acts 1-8, you'll be my witnesses. Take personal ownership of evangelism, of advancing the mission of the church. What in the world does that have to do with what we talked about? You don't have to raise your hands. Anybody can, can, can anyone think of any reason or excuse why they wouldn't be a good witness? why they wouldn't be a good evangelist. Why, well, evangelism's left for other people. I have this excuse, I have this reason. I'm not good with words, I stumble over words, I get nervous in conversations, I don't have a memory like his, I can't remember. I mean, here are my reasons, God, why I'm not good at this. You think God in his omniscience knew that you'd come up with those reasons? You think God in his omniscience knew the excuses you'd try and come up with? or the excuses that the enemy would try and convince you of? I think God knew that. He still called you to it. Well, I get scared in conversations. I, 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 like if, you, if someone was with me, if someone was with me who knew what they were doing, I'd be way more confident in that conversation of evangelism. I'd be way more confident telling my neighbor, my friend, my coworker about the Bible, about trying to answer their questions if someone were with me. Well, God's omnipresent. Good news. Someone is with you. He's there. He's near. He's part of that conversation. Yeah, but I'm still not good at it. I just, I'm not good at this. I don't do a good job. I don't present it neatly and cleanly. Like, I could do it, but I, I don't do it well. You think God in his omnipotence can't use you? 
I mean, really, picture a scale. On one side are all your excuses, all your shortcomings, all your reasons. And on the other side is God's power. Which side does that scale tip towards? God's omnipotence outweighs my incompetence every single Sunday morning. God's omnipotence outweighs our incompetence every single conversation. God is omnipresent. He's with us. God is omniscient. He knows. He knows what that other person needs to hear. He knows how to use your story, your life, to advance his kingdom in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So let's continue to memorize and internalize Acts 1.8. And then just reflect. Of those three, which one am I most tempted to try and assume for myself? Do I try and pretend like I'm omniscient, omnipresent, or omnipotent? How can I work to give that to God instead? Please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you that you are these things and that you have designed us to not be these things. We praise you that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. We praise you that you are always with us in our conversations. Lord, we praise that you see us and you know us. God, so often we say in our own relationships, you know, if they only knew the real me, they wouldn't, they wouldn't like me. God, you know the real us. You know everything about us. And you love us perfectly. And so we praise you for these things. We praise you for your power, your might. It is unrivaled. Lord, forgive us for when we try and be these things, for when we forget that this is you and you alone. Lord, may we be a church that lives that live lives that point to you. We need your power to do so. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together.